thank you for joining the Young Entrepreneur Summit. I'm really grateful for you giving your time. Um, so we're focusing on the youth, you know, our future, the youth of today, the future of tomorrow. So if I could start, Glenn, with a question, what do you wish you knew about entrepreneurship or success when you were 18 years old? <laughs> I wish that I knew that failure was a huge part of success and that when I got to be the age I am, I'm 53 years old now, that I would look back on my life and realize that without the failures that I endured, I never would have had the successes that I did. And in order uh, to achieve uh, your goals, in order to do what you want to do in your life, um, you have to grow as a human being. You have to step outside of your comfort zone. You have to do different things, which automatically means you're going to have failures because you're doing new things in many cases that you, you aren't equipped to do, but you just have to do that. If you don't do that, if, if you're a person that never has a failure, you're basically sitting in your living room watching TV all day. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and people that are willing to get out there and are willing to fail and, and it stinks. And I have some enormous failures in my life and it really stinks. But if you aren't willing to do that, you're never going to grow and you're never ultimately going to, however you want to define success and we'll all define that differently, but you're never going to have the success that you're capable of having. You're never going to have, I don't think, the fulfilling life that you're capable of having. Would it even be fair to say that there is no such thing as success without failure, therefore failure and success are inseparable. They are one and the same. I do believe, I believe that's true. Absolutely. Uh, my life is actually much more defined by my failures than my successes uh, in the end. Again, cause I never would have had the, the successes without the failures. Um, mm. And, you know, really when, when I look at the term entrepreneur, what I think of is someone that's able um, to determine what the market, uh, where the market's going, what opportunities are out there and then get in front to take advantage of that. Um, and the market's always changing, okay? You don't have control over everything that happens. Um, all you can do is control to the best you can the things that you can control and then realize that other things are going to happen no matter what you do. And there are no guarantees. There's no guarantees in life. There's no guarantees in business. There's no guarantees in anything. And you have to accept that. Uh, once you do that, you're much better equipped with the mindset of, I'm going to do the best that I can to be successful here, to not fail. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to do this, no matter how well I plan, no matter you know, what backstops I've put in place, there's a good chance I'm going to fail and I have to accept that. So I completely agree, uh, Glenn, but I'd just like to explore how we cultivate the environment of failure for our young entrepreneurs. Because let's just be honest, failure, it hurts, it feels horrible, it's embarrassing if it's public. I mean, people like yourself, you often fail publicly because you're well known. So how do we create for our children and maybe growing up an environment where failure is okay? <laughs> That's a great question because failure sucks. <laughs> There's a lot of people that you can't sugarcoat it. Um, again, I, I think... I think it's that idea that uh, failure is really necessary in many cases uh, and you can't beat yourself up over it. You know, you, you, you just have to accept that uh, it is what it is. It's part of a process. Uh, 
you know, you don't want it to be the ultimate outcome of whatever process, but in any case, it does happen. And I think that, um, as individuals, uh, if we look at the individual doing the action, taking the action, they have to understand that they might fail. And certainly that's an optimal, but it's okay because they're going to get another chance and they can take the lessons that they learned uh, through whatever they're doing now and apply it to something else. I mean, the only time you really make a mistake is if, if you don't take the lessons that you learn and apply them again, that's, then it becomes a learning experience. And the only time you really fail, fail is when you quit. And if you keep going, you haven't, you've never failed. But I think that everybody else, you know, unfortunately we live in many ways such a cynical society um, and we seem to celebrate other people's misfortune. And uh, as a society, it would be great if we could um, be much more uh, forgiving, much less stigmatizing everybody and uh, realize that it's just part of life. Okay. And uh, if we want people to have success, we're going to have to accept that. I mean, you look at the story of Thomas Edison and the light bulb, and he had whatever, a thousand variations of the, uh, the filament light bulb before it finally lit up and worked. And then they ask him, well, you failed a thousand times. He's like, no, I succeeded in determining what didn't work <laughs> a thousand times. And that's the mindset I think that all of us should have. hundred percent. I mean, I actually love studying successes because the deeper you go, you realize there's failures. Um, Post-it note was a failed glue. Penicillin was a <laughs> failure. Kellogg's cornflakes were a failure. Um, Viagra apparently was not the initial intention. That was a side effect. <laughs> not that I've tested it. <laughs> so I think that, that I, I think it's a fascinating discussion. Right. So um, we have people listening who are 12. We have people listening in their teens and we have parents of young entrepreneurs. So how can we raise entrepreneurial kids? Have you got a couple of tips to help raise enterprising, entrepreneurial, creative kids? Sure. I think the most important thing is that we encourage our kids to dream and uh, to give them the comfort to step outside of their comfort zone, encourage them to do new things, uh, encourage them to find out what they're really good at and what they love to do. Uh, unfortunately, one of my uh, one of my themes since I've been mayor is looking at the American education system and how currently it's geared. Everybody has to go to college. Everybody has to go to college. You have to go to four-year college. Doesn't matter what you're going to do. You just have to go there, figure out what you're going to, what degree you're going to get. Once you get there, get all this debt, and then you graduate and hopefully you can do something with a lot of debt that digs a hole before you even get out. Why not say, hey, there's all these different career paths. There's all these different life paths, really all these different opportunities. Um, we're going ex to expose you to all of those, or at least many of those, and you're naturally going to be attracted to the one that you like, the one that you're gifted at, uh, the one that you're skilled at. Um, and in many cases, too, you know, you're going to have to do things you may not, you may not necessarily like um, because you have to grow as a human being. You have to step outside of your comfort zone. So I think that's the first thing is to encourage our young people to step outside of their comfort zone, to figure out to take risks, to figure out what they, what they like, uh, what they want to do, um, and then to go for it. Right. And, um, to not be so risk averse. I mean, everyone's always afraid of what if I fail? What if you fail? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Especially if you're young, you know, um, what's the absolute worst thing that's going to happen. In many cases that doesn't happen anyway, but even if it does, we realize, well, I can handle that. 
Um, so I think that's just the most important thing is to really encourage our young people um, to step outside their comfort zone, to dream as the previous speaker was talking about, to dream big, you know, to think about how uh, you can change, literally change the world by changing your part of the world and bring something and achieve something and produce things that other people want uh, that makes the world a better place. And if we all did that, the world would be a better place. Thank you, Glenn. So um, sometimes I speak to young entrepreneurs and they're like, oh, I haven't got much experience. You know, there's so many people with more experience than me. And I don't think that young entrepreneurs realize that there's some advantages to being young. So do you think that there are any advantages of being young? And if so, could you share a couple? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the main one is that you, you don't you don't know what works. OK, so you're going to think you're naturally going to think I don't even like the term think outside the box. OK, because sometimes inside the box thinking is good. It, it works. Sometimes you have to think outside of the box. What if you think and there's no box and you consider everything right? Um, and the, that's one of the that, again, we'll look at things that kind of pet peeves of mine. You know, it's like, well, this is the way it's this way we do it. This way it's always been done. Well, why has it been always been done this way? Because this is the way we do it. Okay, that's great, but it makes no sense. That's circular logic. Um, you don't know what you don't know, right? And that gives you a huge advantage because in many cases, you're a blank slate. And you can, you can think about ways or things in ways that other people don't. Um, and that's actually a huge advantage. Of course, at the same point in time, you, get, you need to get mentors and, uh, and those sort of things, which is the second point. You know, um, a, smart, a smart person makes mistake once and doesn't do it again. A wise person learns from a smart person the mistakes that they've made mm -hmm. and never makes those mistakes to begin with. Um, yeah. So you have, you have all these people like in, in this summit, folks that are, that are speaking about these things that are talking about how they've been successful and folks have been very successful, you know, and, and mentors and, and role models uh, and all that knowledge out there, which, you know, if, if you know about when I, when I was a kid, I didn't know any of this stuff existed. I mean, of course, I, I grew up in in the 80s and there's certainly I don't think it was the body of work that there is now. Um, you can take advantage of that from a very young age and you can set yourself up uh, to be successful by tapping into knowledge that other folks have and creating this slate of your own, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. It reminds me of the thing that nearly all successful business people say to me and they say, Oh, if I'd have known back then when I started what it would be like in real estate, politics, I probably never would have done it. So you, almost, <laughs> you almost have that, you almost have that naivety, don't you? You don't know yeah. how hard it's going to be. You don't know the failure points. Because sometimes yeah, it, I, yeah, go on, failure go on. becomes failure becomes more difficult when you grow older mm. um, because you have more risk. You have a family that you have to provide for. You have many cases, employees that uh, have become like your family that you're trying to take care of. Um, when you're younger, you don't, you don't really have those, those things. So you're naturally much less risk averse than when you become older. As like you said, you, you, you know, I think a lot of folks that get into business and after a couple of years, like, man, if I'd have known this when I started, I never would have started. Yeah. Well, then, then your business never has a chance at all. Right. Yeah. Um, and that that's a huge advantage uh, for young folks is that um, they, they don't have um, 
in a good way, they don't have as much to lose as when folks become older and more set in life. hundred percent. So over your years as a successful businessman, obviously in the entertainment industry and, and now as mayor, have you seen any young successful people that you ins- were inspiring or just a, a, a story? It could be business or it can be just someone who's young and you thought, yeah, they've, they've got it going on. Actually, I just uh, in, in mayor's office, I just hired uh, someone who's like that um, and very passionate about uh, very passionate about government and, uh, you know, his uh, views on what government should be doing and how it should be serving and uh, all those sorts of things. And it's just a joy to be around him because he's like this breath of fresh air, uh, mm. because so many times, especially in, in politics and the government sector, you get folks get a little jaded after years of being there. Um, yeah. And and to be around him it really refreshes me. OK. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the things um, that teachers and mentors are going to tell you, too, is that who really benefits the most? Is it is it the student or <laughs> yeah. the you're mentoring or is it the person doing the mentoring? Because, mm. uh, you know, you're you're actually making a contribution to someone's life that can have a big impact not only in their life, but in some cases in, a, in their part of the world. Mm. I think you make a great point, Glenn, because for many years, I would always chase mentors who are 60 or 70 or or billionaires or really successful because they've trodden the path and they have wisdom. But actually, you know, Kieran, who's head of brand and social media and has helped me run this event, he's 26, annoyingly. Yeah. And, and he reminds me uh, the energy of youth. And he reminds me how the youth are great on social media and a cultural difference. And it definitely... Um, keeps a few gray hairs away. So I think it's a good point <laughs> about hanging around with different age groups. Well, it definitely keeps you younger, I think, uh, <laughs> being around young people. Um, and as you said, you know, too, too many times older folks look at young people and they're like, wow, you know, back in my day. Well, that's not how you should look at it. Uh, you know, generations change and things change over time. Um, but and I talk with some some young people and, and the things that they do as far as stuff like on social media, uh, as far as utilizing technology, uh, it just blows me away. Um, and I mean, it's just second nature to them. Uh, I mean, I, I can I can learn that stuff, but uh, it's not something that I'm, I'm ever going to be really good at because it just it's like that. That's what they've grown up with. And that's what they know. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, in many cases, I think it's, it's we old folks that end <laughs> up learning more from the younger people. 100%. Right. So there's a lot of entrepreneurs that say that um, there isn't enough education in the school system about money and entrepreneurship. So is there anything you think about money or entrepreneurship that should be taught in schools that you think maybe isn't? Well, I, I think... Um, that, yeah, we need, especially I can only speak to the U.S. school system, um, of course. But here, I think that there does need to be more taught about money, um, about how it works. Uh, financial literacy is very important. Um, you know, this idea that you, you get a credit card and you go out and it's free money. It's like, no, you do realize you have to pay that back at some point with interest. <laughs> Okay. Um, but also, you know, I think too often people think that debt is a horrible, bad thing. Uh, it's a tool and you can use it strategically to achieve certain things. Um, 
So that's, that's also something that that's important. I mean, you know, it gives you access to capital that you don't currently have, you know, but you have to figure out, is it worth it? Right. Um, and then with entrepreneurship, especially just, just business. Okay. I was talking with a friend of mine who owns a, a pretty big uh, plumbing and, um, heating and air conditioning, uh, operation. And he was a good technician. You know, he was a good person that went around and worked on stuff. Then he decided to start his own business and it grew very slowly, but he hated it because he didn't understand it. And he was living paycheck to paycheck. And then after a while, uh, he figured out how to, uh, uh, how to, read a balance sheet and how to understand profit and loss statements and figure out, okay, you know, I'm spending too much money on this and I need to do this. And then, then his business started becoming much better. He started making more money and he started enjoying mm-hmm. it much more. Um, so I, I think, you know, when we look at entrepreneurs, uh, there's a book called the E-Myth that talks about um, how, when you're a business person, you really, if you're a small business person and say you're a sole proprietor, you have to fulfill three different roles. Um, the technician, which is if you're a baker, that's the person that's baking the, uh, baking the cookies, right? But you also have to be the manager. Okay. So the manager is the person that makes sure everybody shows up on time and payrolls being done and all that sort of thing. And then the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur is the person that looks for market opportunities and how are you going to grow this business? And the problem is a lot of people get into something because, Hey, I really like doing that. Okay. I, I like, I like baking, but they don't know anything about management and they never think about the entrepreneurial side of things. And a successful business person, at least a small business person has to be able to combine all of those. And then even when you look at CEOs of big companies, you know, the legendary CEOs are the ones that have been some way been able to combine the managerial side and the entrepreneurial side, because both of those are important or they have, you know, they might be the entrepreneur. They might be the person that has the big vision, but they surround themselves with people who are good managers, who are, who are good administrators. Um, and I don't think that's ever taught in school. You know, the idea that uh, you have to have management skills and then you have to, at some point, be able to think like, like an entrepreneur. And that's really a skill. I mean, some people, of course, are natural entrepreneurs. They, they get it. They have like this instinctive ability to say, if I do, you know, this is what's happening. If I do this, I get ahead of the market and the money comes to me. Um, but I think you could also learn that skill. You know, you, you can um, be able to analyze the market and say, okay, this is what looks like it's happening and I can position myself here and have some success. Um, so those are things that, that can be learned. Um, and I do wish that in school they would teach more of that. Mm. Amen to that. So as someone big in the entertainment business and, you know, uh, one of the, most famous and successful wrestlers, uh, did you focus time, thought and energy on the business side of it? Did you make it, were you keen on that side of it? Because some people just don't want to know. They're like, look, you know, this is my passion. Agent deal with the money and that. Or, or, or did you have a keen interest in the business side? I had a keen interest in the business side. Um, it's fascinating, actually, uh, if, if for, for no other reason. Uh, and I was with WWE for a long enough period of time that I saw the changes uh, that 
that went on as far as just the technology is a huge driver in the entertainment business as well. Um, and I was also around Vince McMahon, who's one of the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. Um, when we look at entertainment, I mean, he's right up there and his mindset. And uh, when we when we talk about entrepreneurial skill, uh, his real genius is that he could look at the changes in entertainment technology when pay-per-view came out. Uh, the opportunities available on websites when the internet was just becoming a thing. And then later on social media, and he was able to position the company uh, literally to where, uh, you know, it, it was, it was at a point where money was flowing into it. Okay. It wasn't chasing money. It had positioned itself to where these, when these changes were happening, the money was going into it. Right. And that's, um, it's kind of a hard concept to explain, but that's literally what would, what would happen. Um, so yeah, I was, I was very interested in the business side of things. Um, you know, if I hadn't, uh, gone a different way, I probably would have stayed in WWE and been on the business side of things. So I figured it was important that I understood it at least to the extent that I could. Thank you, Glenn. So we've got a couple of quick fire questions, uh, sure. and, th and then we're done. Well, I'm really grateful. It's lovely to talk to you again. So do you have any regrets? Do you have any business regrets or career regrets? Uh, yeah. Uh, my, my first, uh, when I got to WWE, my first character was just, uh, I didn't like it. It was terrible. Um, and I almost lost my job because I just didn't, I didn't care. And that was, that was a huge mistake. And, uh, I ultimately I, I realized that, Hey, this is an opportunity. I may not like this particular role that I'm in, but if I learn from it and I can prove that I can do this, um, I'm can be positioned, uh, in the future to do much better. Um, so I'm, I'm a little embarrassed by that, actually. Uh, the fact that I just, you know, I just, I just kind of threw my hands up and said, I hate this and I don't want to do it. And I just went through <laughs> the most, um, so that, that would, that would really be the biggest one because a lot of stuff that happens, I, I you can't control, as I said earlier. Um, yeah. but you can control your response to things. And, um, you know, I just didn't respond to that very well. And I think now being a lot more mature, I, I would respond to it better. I hope. Um, mm. but I was just fortunate that that didn't really bite me and I was able to go on. Yeah. Great. What's the best advice and the worst advice you can ever remember receiving? <laughs> um, the best advice is just treat everyone from the janitor to the CEO with respect and the same. Okay. Um, and people do watch that. I was actually talking, I was actually talking with, uh, one of the most successful business people that I know he's, he's a billionaire here in East Tennessee. And we were talking about an individual that worked for him, very high profile. And, um, he said that what really turned him off was when this individual talked down to the people who work for him. Okay. Um, and again, th this guy that's saying that is he's a billionaire. He can talk down to anyone he wants to <laughs> and he never, but he never does. He's, he's yeah. just a very kind, very nice person. Um, and you know, for him to say that it's like, Holy cow, you know, this, <laughs> there's this karma thing. That's it's real. Okay. Um, so that, that's uh, really, I think, I think the best advice is, um, just treat everyone with, with respect and dignity. Um, you know, the worst advice I tend to, I tend to, <laughs> um, my, the worst advice I don't remember because some of the other best advice is always listen to everyone, 
but then take out of it what you will and apply it in the way that you will. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I don't generally take bad advice because I just <laughs> shake my head and say, thank you very much for telling me that. And I forget about it. So yeah. uh, I, I don't know if I, I, I can't remember to offhand. actually, sorry. <laughs> no, that's actually a good answer, isn't it? You don't remember bad advice because you're able to ignore it. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I always consider it, but in the end, um, I'm the person that has to apply it. And if, if mm. I don't think it's going to work, I'm not going to do it. So, Great. So a couple more and then um, we'll let you go. So uh, is there anything that you've recently changed your mind about that you used to strongly believe? Uh, probably not, not, not right now, actually. Um, I, I don't think so. I, I'm, uh, I'm very much a person, you know, that, um, I try to develop my opinions based on, based on the facts and the evidence that present themselves. Uh, I will change my mind. Uh, John Maynard Keynes, who's great English economist, you know, once said, uh, why did he change his mind about something? He said, because new evidence presented itself. Uh, and, and that's kind of how I work. Um, so mm -hmm. I haven't really changed my mind or opinion uh, about anything very recently. Now, over the years I have, but not very recently. <laughs> okay. And is there anything that you see a lot of people um, believe that you completely disagree with or something that yeah. you hold to be true? Yeah, yeah, go. Yeah, I get on Twitter, man, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, there's there's just so much negativity yeah. and in the world right now. Uh, and um, that's very sad. And uh, it, it just um, I'm an optimist, it, it really at heart. OK, um, and I was reading something from John Maxwell the other day. He, he has a new book. It's called Change Your World. And he talks about the difference between optimism and hope. And optimism is just the belief that things can be OK. Um, hope is the willingness to do things that that, you know, it's stronger. It makes makes things Okay. Um, so optimism is passive and hope is active. And I think part of the issues that we're seeing with the world, just the, some of the social issues, especially here in the States, is the fact that people are neither optimistic nor hopeful. And instead of working towards a solution of an issue, they would rather gripe and complain about the issue and about everyone else. And that's destructive and doesn't help anyone. Thank you, Glenn. I always love talking to you. Where can we follow you? Where are you most active? Where can we um, see the work that you're doing and the causes that you support? Sure. Um, on Twitter, it's at Glenn with two N's, uh, Jacobs, T-N. So that's G-L-E-N-N-J-A-C-O-B-S-T-N. And then on Facebook, um, it's actually my, I have a, a Facebook page for the mayor's office. So it's uh, Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs. Um, and that's the, you know, there's going to be some political stuff on there, of course, because that's what I am. Uh, but there's also just things about uh, life here in East Tennessee. Um, and, you know, sometimes the other day I got, I, I did a video talking about John Maxwell and uh, about, uh, about his book. And I didn't, I was at a thing. He was, to see him, unfortunately, I had to leave, so I didn't get to get a picture or anything. But John Maxwell is one of the just to me, he's the best author out there on leadership. Um, so, like I said, prepare yourself because there'll be some political things, <laughs> um, but there's also some other good stuff I think that that might resonate with folks. Glenn, once again, I want to say thank you so much for donating your time and inspiring so many people. 
I think you're fantastic. So thanks for joining us on the Young Entrepreneur Summit. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Hey, it's Rob again, and I need to own up to something. Entrepreneurs don't celebrate enough. I bet you don't. I know I don't. And we went through the five-year anniversary of the Disruptive Entrepreneur, which is a massive achievement, and the 600th episode, which again, how many podcasts have done 600 episodes? And we didn't even celebrate. So I want to celebrate the 600th episode and the five-year anniversary with you. We have something new and special that I think you're going to love. Now, many of you who listen... You're on my Facebook supporter program. You get 10 pieces of content with me as a bonus over and above what the general public get. We have supporter-only meetups, socials, dinners. I do Ask Me Anythings every sort of two weeks or so live. We do Make Cash and social media challenges. You get discounts. You get to come to events and you get premium ticket upgrades and so much more. But what I've done to celebrate the five-year anniversary, the 600th episode, is actually created a decentralized platform called Rob.team. Many of you don't use Facebook. We're in a a more modern decentralized age now. So if you go right now to Rob.team, www.rob.team, you can join my supporter and Rob.team program. You can choose whether you enroll on Facebook or the non-native decentralized platform that I've built specially for you. And for just £5 or $5 a month, cancel any time you get 10 premium pieces of content from me you don't get anywhere else, deep dive content. You get supporter and team only meetups, socials and dinners throughout the year. A two weekly Ask Me Anything Live that I don't do in any public situation anymore. We do seven day challenges about five times a year, make cash challenges, social media challenges. You get premium ticket upgrades, special discounts. I have um, three Facebook account managers. We often have Zoom meetings with them and then we update you sort of from the horse's mouth live um, what they shared with us. Um, Whenever we do events and webinars, we never do replays or recordings. But as a supporter and team member, you get those free. You get an extra 10% discount off any of my trainings. And get this, if you're one of the first 60, I can't do 600, you'll see why. Then I'm actually going to do a 15 minute one to one personal call with you. And if you're one of the first 256, I've just set up a brand new Rob.team WhatsApp group where you'll get my mobile number and, you know, we can share strategies and tactics together. So go right now to www.rob.team. That's www.rob.team. First 50, get a 15 minute one to one call with me. Um, I'm going to do that after your first month subscription. And, uh, you know, it's going to take me a bit of time to do that, but I'll do it. I'm a man of my word. And the first 256 you get into the Rob.team supporters only WhatsApp group. There's loads of bonuses in there. This program has been running for two years. My six stage, seven figure launch formula, which was a paid for course, it's in there. How to write a best selling book course is in there. PAVA and social media manager and brand manager documents and job descriptions are in there. Marketing KPIs documents are in there. How to dramatically increase your fees. The book I'm writing, the up to date version is in there. There's so much content. It's only £5 or $5 a month. Uh, And I'm adding this new platform, Rob.team, to celebrate the fifth year anniversary and the 600 episodes. And first 60, 15 minute one-to-one call with me. First 256, get into the um, exclusive WhatsApp group. So be quick, go now, because we have millions of subscribers and downloads and views a week now for the Disruptive Entrepreneur Show across all platforms. So see you there at www.rob.team. Go now.